Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. Episode number 155 of Search News You Can Use is absolutely packed with information this week. Google's been really, really busy. They did some announcements this week in the form of something they called Search On to tell us what Google's doing, and we're actually really excited about some of these changes. Uh, so I'm going to give you my thoughts on that, and they line up really well with what we've seen change in Google's Quality Raters guidelines uh, this week. So there was an update to the QRG, which is always exciting times here at MHC because uh, our entire staff uh, divvy up the QRG and, and, and try to figure out what is it that changed. And then we try to figure out, well, does it matter? And some of the changes, most of the changes that happen in the QRG are insignificant things, but there's a couple of things that are really, really important. And we think they're going to uh, tell us a lot about where the future of search is. Uh, so I'm going to give you my thoughts on that as well, um, amongst a bunch of other things. I'm not sure if we'll have time to get to Q&A today because there's just way too much actual news to share. Uh, so we'll see about that. We might have some Q&A as well. I want to start by talking about the latest on the September indexing issues. And I'm going to do this because I promised last week that I would share with you about a very interesting case. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm glad I didn't share about this case last week because it turns out that it's probably not connected to these September indexing issues. Um, but I still want to share it with you. And I want to share you a story about uh, another case that we had this week that ties together with this. Uh, that it may blow your mind. I, I, you know, when things like this happen, it, it always is amazing to me. Uh, it looks like Google messed up for one of uh, somebody who eventually became one of our clients. And um, the, when they fixed this mess up for our clients, it was September 21st when the mess up changed. And uh, I think the two things are connected. So uh, bear with me as I tell you this story, because I think you'll find it interesting. And I'm not going to draw any obvious conclusions, but you'll see what I mean when I get to the end of this. So we had a client uh, come to us saying, and this is what the majority of clients come to us saying, uh, saying, well, you know, we're not ranking as well as we'd like to. And we think that there's an error on Google's side. And most of the clients that come to us, I mean, most of what we do is deal with websites that are struggling with traffic issues, uh, websites that just aren't ranking as well as they would like to rank. And, uh, and then they come to us to try to figure out, well, where are the quality issues? What is it that Google is uh, not liking about our website? Or why is it that Google likes our competitors more than they like us? And uh, so when this client came to us, we said the same as we always do. Uh, you know, it's very unlikely to be an issue with Google. It's more likely to be that there are elements of your website that are sending signals to Google that say that you're really not the best to rank in this situation. And so what we usually recommend when we have clients that come to us with this type of concern is for us to do a site quality review. Um, you know, whether you want to call it a site audit, what we do is we look at, uh, we do look at technical things, but we look at a great number of EAT related factors. Uh, we look at, so we looked for this business at how authoritative they were and uh, compared that against the sites that actually were ranking and looked at a great number of things that we've learned in terms of EAT. And we, we looked at this client, so I'm not going to tell you exactly who they are. They actually did give us permission to share, but I think it's probably in their best interest for me to keep this rather generic. Um, all you need to know is that they are a software 
uh, product and in an industry that uh, has professionals in it. Um, an example would be like, let's say they sell uh, software for chiropractors, um, you know, that type of thing, although it wasn't a medical industry. And when you do a, a search for, uh, you know, in this case, say chiropractic software or software for chiropractors, which again, it's not chiropractors. I'm trying to <laughs> maintain their anonymity. You, uh, you would see that they were ranking near the top of page two for almost every search term that was important to them. They had a couple of terms that they ranked on page one for, uh, but they were non-competitive uh, terms, very long tail terms, but pretty much everything other than brand searches. So what I mean by brand searches is your business name. So when people searched for their business name, uh, they could find them. But if they searched for anything that was a really important keyword for them, almost all of the really important keywords they were ranking on page two. So we did our site quality review and uh, our conclusions were that they actually did deserve to rank on page one. When we looked at all of the data and we said, look, you're, you're by far the most authoritative um, and you, you, you've really got no signals that show that Google can't trust you. Uh, you've got more links than most of your competitors, more uh, good links, authoritative links. Uh, there really was no evidence of this site uh, breaking Google's guidelines. And so what we decided to do was we have a whole process where uh, if we feel like Google has made some type of a mistake or there's something wrong in Google's algorithms, we will occasionally bring that to some of our content contacts at Google. Now, we're really hesitant to do that because, um, you know, I don't want to abuse the fact that uh, occasionally we can bend the ear of, um, you know, somebody like John Mueller or uh, somebody uh, on Google's web spam team. Um, and I don't want to take advantage of that. You know, I don't want to be throwing them uh, every single client saying, hey, can you help these guys do better? Because they'll ignore us. But when we send them cases where we say, look, we've thoroughly investigated this and we cannot see why this site can't rank. Uh, sometimes they pay attention to that. Um, they don't always respond to us, but often the issue gets fixed. So what happened was we decided that what we would do was we were going to write an article on this situation. And uh, I did an extensive amount of work on this. Many, many hours went into researching, went into looking um, this particular site. So they haven't ranked uh, on the first page for their main search queries since since they did a migration in 2016. And that migration, so obviously the answer, uh, you know, to most SEOs would be, well, something was wrong with the migration and we could not find anything wrong. Uh, and, you know, here's the, here's the really ironic part. I wrote this article and one of the things was, you know, maybe there, something went wrong with the migration, maybe this, maybe that. And um, I was tagging my client in this Google doc that I was writing. And I'm very embarrassed to say that I actually tagged another SEO, uh, uh, who I really, really, um, you know, I think we've done some work with him in the past. And, and uh, I, he, he had the same first name as um, one of the contacts with my client. And so I accidentally tagged this guy in the Google Doc, and he was able to come in and read this article. I mean, it was going public anyways. And he gave his opinions on what was going on. He says, you know, it probably is related to uh, the, um, the, the redirects not maybe uh, being done properly. It has to be connected to the migration. And, and we went back 
back and forth. It was a it was a happy accident that uh, uh, that this happened, and I got some really good um, information. But still, we were no further ahead and could not figure out any plausible reason for this site to not rank well. So we wrote this article. I wrote this article, uh, and we were just waiting on approval uh, from the client because uh, this is a fairly big brand, and they had to go through legal channels and internally and and make sure that we weren't going to do anything damaging to the brand. Um, and, uh, and then what happened was somebody, uh, from my client's side, uh, was actually in contact with somebody from the web spam team. And so they shared the article that we were about to publish with the web spam team. And, uh, I don't believe that they heard back, but within a few days of doing this, the problem resolved. So this client has not been ranking on uh, page one of Google for any important terms for over four years now, since they did this migration. And they have had multiple SEOs work with them trying to figure out, did you, you know, is there a technical issue? Um, is there, you know, whatever, and it could not be found. And the issue got fixed. Now, why am I telling you this in regards to the September 21st uh, indexing issues that we had? So here's the interesting thing. When we were looking at clients that were affected by the September 21st indexing bug, I really liked one of the things that Glenn Gabe tweeted out and he tweeted a picture of one of his clients who were affected by this indexing bug and you could see the valid pages in index the Google coverage report the index coverage report in Google search console you could see that the number of valid pages declined during this bug and then when Google had resolved the bug the number of valid pages in the index went back up and we had a client that had a very, very similar pattern. We could see, ah, the number of valid pages um, has declined and uh, the number of good pages, you know, anyways, it, it had declined. And it looked very similar to what uh, Glenn was showing. So what we thought was, let's look at the keywords that this client saw losses for. And this client saw significant losses across the board. But what was kind of unusual, see, usually when we analyze a core algorithm update, we tend to see that most pages are affected uh, to the same degree. We'll see that, you know, maybe there's a 30% in drop, it, drop in traffic and that's across most pages. You know, maybe it's somewhere between 28 to 32%, but it's generally very, very similar across pages. And what we were seeing for this client was there were some pages that had like a 50% drop and there were some that uh, actually increased in uh, traffic in this time. And it was very confusing. So we started to look at individual keywords just to see, is there a pattern here? Could we determine something? And what we found was that... Um, Every key, so a lot of keywords dropped just a few positions. A lot of keywords were ranking, say, near the top of page two and dropped to like the middle of page two or the bottom of page two. And then there were a whole bunch of keywords that completely stopped ranking. They, they went from ranking to not ranking at all. You know, uh, Google Search Console actually recorded them as position zero, which was really confusing because sometimes position zero can mean featured snippets, uh, but they clearly did not have featured snippets because as the ranking position was recorded as zero, uh, the traffic also went down to zero. There were no clicks on these keywords. Uh, you would expect if they had one featured snippets that they would get clicks. So here's where the really, really interesting part comes in, and this is where I would was at just before I recorded podcast last week, and I wanted to report on this. The keywords that um, uh, that disappeared, that completely disappeared for this client that was affected on September 21st, were all first page keywords. 
And this was very, very similar to our client that I just talked to you about that had something wrong on Google's side. Google fixed something and now they were allowed to rank on the first page. And you could almost make a story that, well, when Google fixed that, it caused some sites with first page rankings to no longer have rankings anymore. I, you know, it was, it was too big of a coincidence that both of these things happened on September 21st. The thing is though, as I went in, so I had intended to do more research on this particular situation so I could describe it to you uh, in podcast this week. And uh, I noticed a new annotation in their Google Analytics and it turns out that um, this client is also in the process of uh, no indexing a bunch of pages and uh, and doing a thin content trim, basically, as we had advised them to do. Uh, and so, um, you know, I don't think they're typical of most of the sites that saw changes and, and saw drops in traffic on September 21st. It was a very long story, and there's really no point to it other than maybe there's something connected. You know, and, and I probably could do more research and figure out, uh, you know, some of the other sites that we have that are affected. Uh, it doesn't seem to be just first page keywords that were affected. So um, it's, a, it, it's, you know, I don't really have an answer here to what's going on. And it's been very, very confusing. And then in the midst of all of this, Google came out with all this amazing stuff this week. So we sort of put this on the back burner. Um, I, I feel like it's important to mention it. And I, if you're out there and you were affected uh, by the indexing bug and you're still affected by it because a lot of sites, even though Google said it's resolved, we, we have a number of sites that saw drops and are continuing to see drops as of September 21st. We've given some screenshots of that in newsletter. I should mention again, I do this every week, but just in case there's anybody new, you can uh, follow along, although I don't read exactly newsletter, this is episode 155 and if you go to mariehaines.com slash newsletter, uh, you'll be able to find that episode. Um, so we have screenshots showing uh, we have a number of clients that their traffic started to decline on September 21st. And even though Google says that this problem, uh, so there were two problems. They said there was uh, a problem with canonicalization and also a problem related to mobile first indexing. Both of those are supposedly fixed now, uh, but we still have clients that have seen big declines. We also have clients that uh, saw increases September 21st that are continuing. So uh, there's a lot of uncertainty here. Um, we did note that maybe October 13th was a day where it looked like Google uh, was potentially doing an update because we had a lot of clients again that saw uh, beyond the normal change in their uh, search traffic proje uh, trajectories. Um, but October 13th actually is one day before Google said that all of the indexing issues were fixed. And so we think that the turbulence that we're seeing in the search results is actually connected to the fact that Google restored a bunch of pages that went missing from the index. Um, again, we're not going to put extensive time into trying to figure out uh, what happened on these dates unless we get a lot more uh, clients that are interested in uh, helping us diagnose a traffic drop at that time. Uh, let's move on to talk about Google's search on event. So they did this thing and they and they were very vague about what this is. Like, ooh, uh, this Thursday there's going to be a big event and uh, or Friday or whatever it was. Um, and they didn't really tell us what it was. And I'm so glad that I actually uh, took the time to watch it because they told us a lot about the future of search and a lot of things that as an SEO you absolutely need to know. Now, some of the things in the announcement 
were not vitally important. Still very cool, though. Uh, they talked about a new product called the Pinpoint that's going to help journalists find information across thousands of documents. And it actually sounds kind of cool. They, they were really kind of vague in their description, um, but they're going to be using some type of AI to find connections amount, amongst vast amounts of data. Uh, and so that sounds really, really cool. I, I could see lots of uses in a medical uh, frame for that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, they're going to open it up to journalists and that sounds really, really exciting. They also talked about some improvements to Google Lens. I don't know if you use Google Lens. Uh, I have a Pixel phone, and uh, we use it a lot when we're gardening. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look at something and go, is that a weed or is that an actual plant? Because uh, I've inherited this garden with a whole bunch of perennials, and I'm, I'm not a great gardener. Um, and so we'll hold up the phone and we'll uh, you know tap on Google Lens, and it's, it's okay. It's not completely accurate. But it'll show me a picture of, um, oh, this is actually this type of weed. And, uh, uh, you know, here's what you need to know about this. Or here's how you need to harvest this if it's not a weed, that type of thing. So Google Lens could be interesting. Um, one of the things they talked about was its use in shopping. And I think that this will be interesting for those of you who are in e-commerce. They gave an example of a woman wearing a yellow shirt with these frilly sleeves. And if you use Google Lens on this, then Google will show you other shirts that are yellow with frilly sleeves that have a very similar design. And what they may do is actually be able to um, gather information from around the web uh, to kind of give you advice on how to style this yellow shirt. So maybe it looks well, good with these pants or with these accessories. And uh, that sounds kind of cool too. So I think those of you who are involved in e-commerce and especially in fashion, that's something that you should be paying attention to. And then the other part that uh, was interesting but not super exciting for search is uh, apparently you can now hum a song to Google and Google will tell you what song you're humming. And I was like, that's so exciting because I constantly have a song in my head uh, and 90% of the time I can't remember what that song's called. So um, you can't use this on a, a smart or on a home device like a Google Home yet, but it will work on your phone. But it's not great. <laughs> at least it's not. Other than that, or I'm really bad at humming. Uh, I tried a number of different songs. The one that it did get was uh, Tom's Diner. But that's a really iconic tune, right? Um, and if it didn't get that right, I would be concerned. So then I tried, um, there's a song by Lenny Kravitz called uh, Rock and Roll is Dead. And I always sing it with SEO is dead, even though it's not. And uh, I know I'm very geeky, right? So here I am humming to my phone. Mm -mm 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 -mm. And it's got this little riff, right? I don't know if that counts as humming. But to me, if somebody hummed that to me, I would very easily be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that song. Rock and roll is dead. Um, and Google thought it was maybe either Elvis or Chaka Khan. I, I, I think they were wrong on those. So anyways, that's exciting as they, I think it'll get better. It's something that's using machine learning, which always, when you start off with machine learning, like it gets better and better over time as the machines learn even more, right? So that should be cool. But the parts that were super, super exciting for me were the parts of the talk that they talked about BERT and its use in 
research. So I'm going to share with you uh, what I learned from this talk. And I'm in the process of writing an article. I might even have it out by the time you're listening to this episode. Uh, it, it may be out on mariehaines.com. But just talking about what we can learn and how we can use uh, this information that Google gave us uh, about BERT. So BERT, most of you know, is... Um, Natural language processing, uh, it's a way to better understand language. It was a year ago, it was last October, that Google put out a blog post where they told us that BERT was used in one out of 10 searches. Um, and then they said in the search on event that now Google's used in almost every single English search, or Google, uh, BERT is used in almost every single English search uh, in some capacity. So when Google first told us about BERT, one of the statements that they made was, and I'm going to quote Quote here, it was particularly useful for understanding the intent behind search queries. And now Google is using this in pretty much every search. And you can see that Google is getting better at understanding what is it that a searcher means when they type in a query. Um, and that is significant because it connects to the next announcement that they made about passages. Now, this passages got a little bit uh, of confusion in the SEO community because um, a lot of stuff was published uh, based on something called passage-based indexing. And I, the wording of uh, the way Google described it, it sort of described, it sounded like they were going to be indexing certain passages of pages. And you know what? Really, it's semantics. It doesn't matter. Um, I really believe that what they're saying now is that they'll be able to say, ah, you know, in the past they'd say, oh, somebody typed in this query. This page is a good result for this search query. And now I think what this passage is, what they can do is they can say, ah, this part of this page is really good as an answer for this search query. And that's really, really important. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expand on this more as we get into the changes in the quality raters guidelines because they all tie together. So this change, when it goes live, I mean, now they've, they've said that BERT is already being used in uh, 100%, <laughs> almost 100% of um, English queries and a good number of queries in other languages as well. Uh, but they're going to be making a change soon, uh, I think, to better match the queries uh, their understanding of the queries with these new results that they've got. The fact that they can pull results from parts of pages as opposed to just the page itself. Um, so this change is going to impact, they predict it will impact 7% of search results. And that is a huge number. To put that in context, when Penguin first came out, so that was April of 2012, it impacted 3% of search results. And how many of you listening to this right now were affected by Penguin? Like, it was huge. Now, Panda, when it first came out, impacted 12% of search results. So this change that we're going to see, and I anticipate it'll come out with it whenever the next core update is, uh, is going to be somewhere um, in, in terms of impactfulness uh, between the scale of Penguin and Panda. It's, it's a big deal, and it's going to affect a lot, a lot of websites. Um, and I'm already seeing people, uh, you know, being really facetious and... and uh, saying, well, you know, now all the SEOs are going to tell you how to start uh, optimizing for passage SEO. And th that's legitimate. The article that I'm writing now um, is going to have a whole bunch of stuff about optimizing for intent. And, uh, and that is uh, really, you know, I think I should get on to the next part about the quality raters guidelines here, because this is where uh, I think a lot of our work is going to be going in the next 
couple of years, uh, including, you know, any of you who are listening to this, if you're an SEO, this is going to be impacting your workflow uh, for quite some time. So the quality readers guidelines, uh, I think everybody listening to this understands the importance of the QRG. Um, Google has said that they're not exactly Google's algorithms, but when something is in the QRG, it represents what Google wants to accomplish with their algorithms. So when Google back in um, uh, 2018 changed their guidelines to say, we want to make sure we protect the safety of users, the next Google update following that was Medic, uh, August of 2018 where they made all sorts of changes where they did not rank well sites that had trust issues, sites that had a very bad reputation, that maybe had uh, very poor refund policies or um, other issues surrounding trust. Uh, I have an article I wrote uh, shortly after that, mariehaines.com slash trust. And uh, you can find all sorts of things that are listed in the QRG as signs of trust. And we really think that when Google updated their quality raters guidelines to talk more more about the safety of users, it was because they wanted their algorithms to get better at protecting the safety of users. So this time when the QRG updated, I'd say the vast majority of things that changed were uh, not important in terms of our SEO workflow. There were things like uh, they told the quality raters that uh, the examples that they use in the QRG are just snapshots and the actual website today could be better. I think that came about because I, I actually approached Google. Uh, I had a couple of clients that um, are used as examples in the QRG and as examples of uh, low quality pages. And uh, I had a couple of clients, at least I think one client asked me specifically uh, to reach out to Google to say, could you please not use us as an example because we feel this is harming our reputation. Um, and so I think they just put some verbiage in the QRG to say like, look, this is just what the way we saw the page at the time we took the picture and maybe things have improved. It's not representative of the current site. Um, and there was other information in there uh, to tell the quality raters what to do when they encounter malware or um, pages that didn't load, uh, that type of thing. And maybe there's some nuggets in there, uh, but we really didn't get a lot out of that. But the thing that changed that I think is the super signif significant part of uh, this update to the QRG is talking about needs met. Now, needs met is not a new thing in the QRG. The, it's been in there for quite some time. Um, but in some places, some of the examples, they've moved uh, needs met higher up uh, in the description as, as to why this is a good or a, a not good answer for a query. Um, I give an example in newsletter that's a screenshot from the Quality Raiders guidelines of uh, if the query was how many octaves are on a guitar... And uh, the result says that there are seven octaves um, and it has a picture of a piano keyboard. Now, the quality readers are told that in terms of page quality, this particular page, it says there's lots of helpful main content on the landing page. The page has medium to high EAT and they're told to rate this as either medium to high in terms of page quality. But then they talk about needs met. And they say this block shows the number of octaves on a piano, not on a guitar. And the search query was how many octaves on a guitar. Even though uh, there's a link to high quality landing page about pianos, it's irrelevant to the query. Useless results are useless. This result uh, fails to meet the user intent. And you, you understand this now, like this is part of the 
connect between Google um, being able to get information from passages on pages as opposed to the whole page itself. Let's say that this particular page had one paragraph that talked about the number of octaves that are on a guitar. Uh, then maybe this would be a good page that needs, meets the needs of a, a user. Um, but in this case, Google's showing us that a page could be high quality, but also not meet the needs of the searcher. And I think that's what Google's talking about when Danny Sullivan tells us when there's a core update, often there's nothing you can do. You know, it might be, you might have the absolute best content out there that Google has been ranking for things that really aren't relevant. <laughs> and so if you lose rankings and all of a sudden your traffic drops with the next update, it might not be that there's a problem with your content. It might just be that Google figured out, hey, we were showing this content to all these people who were asking questions about guitars when really your content's about pianos. You know, so they're getting better at determining which parts of pages are actually uh, meeting users' needs. And I think when you combine that with the fact that BERT is getting better at understanding the queries that users have and what are those needs, then this has to be what's next on the radar for Google. Um, so again, in this article, we're going to talk a little bit about how can we actually do a better job of, of uh, creating content that meets searchers' needs. Uh, and I'm going to share my thoughts with you on that. Um, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, just a reminder, we did publish this week an updated version of our guide to uh, unnatural links recovery. If you have been dealing with a manual action for unnatural links on your website, then uh, uh, one of my auditors, Dylan Adamek, who does tons of work with manual actions with me, uh, and I have rewritten this book that I originally wrote in 2013. And the original version really is like the, um, the textbook that most SEOs use to remove manual manual actions. Uh, maybe most is the wrong word, but I, I've talked to many, many people at conferences who say uh, that they use our guidelines when they're trying to remove a manual action. So if you want to get that, you can head to our website and uh, it should be easy to find there for you. Um, it looks like some how-to schema, how-to schema has fully rolled out on desktop. We have some stuff in newsletter from, uh, some information from Brody Clark, who was, uh, doing some testing to see how often Google will show how-to schema. I'm going to let you read newsletter to, uh, to find more about that. Um, let's talk about this help hangout tip. I'm a little bit behind on help hangouts. I, Google's done so many amazing things that I haven't had time to go through them all. And I went through the most recent one and, oh, there's so much good stuff in there. So, uh, I'm just exhausted this week because I'm so excited about all the stuff that we can learn from Google. Um, and, uh, I've been trying to document all this. It's insane. Um, so I tweeted about this. I, uh, there's examples here in a tweet thread, basically on uh, Google discusses EAT in this Hangout uh, and talks about how it relates to health and medical sites. So this is really, really interesting. The question in this Help Hangout was about a psychology site that consistently loses out on rankings when it comes to alternative psychological treatments. So alternative meaning, I, I mean, they, they didn't go into detail on what those treatments were, but I'm assuming alternative could be like a herbal treatment or um, something that's not widely accepted uh, by the medical community, uh, but, you know, may be accepted by certain, um, certain psychologists or, uh, you know, it, it's not like it's all completely hokey stuff. I think that there probably are some alternative psychological treatments that are quite good. And I think, uh, so this person's complaint was that, um, whenever they, uh, do a search for one of these queries, it's always massive medical authorities that rank well. 
Now, who knows whether this will change when Google gets better at figuring out which parts of pages actually answer queries. You know, they may look at certain pages and go, ah, you know, this uh, psychologist way out in some tiny little town in the middle of the U.S. perhaps um, has... Uh, really good information on their page, but normally we wouldn't call this page, like this page could not compete against maybe Mayo Clinic or Healthline or something like that. And it may be that Google can figure out like, oh, this is actually a quote that comes from uh, an actual psychologist who uses this in practice and has lots of expertise on this area. And maybe they will start ranking uh, individual passages from this psychologist page. Uh, but this is not happening at this point. So this Question in the Help Hangout basically said that, uh, let's see, medical institutions are dominating the rankings, and then uh, the alternative ways of treating those mental illnesses, uh, they, they have a few that rank sort of between position 5 and 10, but um, none of the, the client who's asking this question can't crack into that first page, basically. Um, and so, first of all, John Mueller said, well, it would be a bad idea to just leave things the way they are and hope that rankings will magically change. So if you're in this situation, you know, there are some things, John's saying, you can make some changes to this page to make it more clear that it's the best answer for Google to give. Um, and then next he says, if possible, find a way to make it so Google's algorithms can see obviously that the site is the best choice to show for those queries. Now, how do you do that? How, let's say you are this psychologist and uh, you've got this great content, but you've got really spammy or inaccurate content that's outranking you. How are some ways that you could improve your signals that you're giving to, to Google? So that's EAT, right? EAT is just let's throw out as many signals as we can to show Google that we are the ones with the most expertise. We are authoritative. We are trustworthy. Um, so some of the things that this psychologist could do is make sure that there's an author bio on the post. Now you might say, well, people can tell like it comes from such and such psychology clinic. Uh, it's got to be authoritative. But somebody who lands on that actual page, they may not take the time to click through to your about page or uh, do research to determine if you know what you're talking about. So I would like to see an author bio on the pages that says this particular doctor has been practicing these methods, um, you know, for this many years, that type of thing. Uh, and if the doctor, if he or she has been mentioned in authoritative places, you want to mention that too. Um, I'd also use wording to describe firsthand expertise. So and we noticed this with the May core update that a number of sites that uh, of our clients that saw improvements, they were pages that talked about firsthand expertise. Uh, and so that's something where uh, it's one thing for Google to show people this, uh, you know, kind of vague document on, well, here's all the things that could affect somebody with this particular psychological condition or all of the treatments. Uh, it's another thing for an actual psychologist who's been doing this year in and year out uh, to say, here's how we treat this. You know, that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing that they could do is add loads of references. So they could say, look, here's how we treat this. And also this is what's recommended by this major organization, whatever the, you know, the, the licensing body is or, um, you know, major research that would support their points. And so, and there's many other things that could be done as well. Uh, but the, the point is, um, and so John kind of sums it all up by saying, uh, let's see here. 
make sure uh, it sounds like you're touching on the medical area there and it makes sense at least for users to make sure that you have all of those signals as well that you're really saying well this is not something that i don't know some kid dreamt up in his basement but rather we spent a long time researching this and here's the research and here are the, uh, I think I'm missing a word here, are the facts behind it and kind of presenting it in a way that is trustworthy for users as well. Um, and Google's trying to look for those things. Now, I know some of you are going, well, the pages that outrank me, they don't do a good job of that. Well, then don't worry about what they're not doing. Just do better on your pages. And you really should be able to recover some of those rankings. Um, interesting news here, again, from a help hangout, uh, could slow URLs on your website negatively impact the rest of your site? Uh, Barry Schwartz has a good article on search engine Roundtable on this. And it was interesting because, um, so Google will take information about core web vitals and also the Chrome user experience report. Uh, they'll take that information to make decisions uh, about your site. And if your site is smaller, you might not have a whole lot of data in that report. And so um, sometimes it seems like what John Mueller was saying is that uh, Google will often uh, apply these factors to different sections of your website. So let's say you have a news blog and that news blog is very, very slow. Then it could be that that impacts the rankings of every page that's in your news blog, but maybe not the rest of your site. Regardless, it's always a good idea to work on speed. Even if you're not worried about rankings, uh, users, they're more likely to click off of a page if it's, um, you know, if it's not uh, a fast page. And so, and there's been tons of studies done that show that users are much less likely to buy if you make them wait for a long time for a page to load. Uh, so improving page speed is always a good idea. Um, just a reminder that if you are trying to request indexing in Google Search Console, it's still not working. Google disabled this, uh, gosh, I want to say about a week ago. Um, and it's important to know, though, that Google is still indexing new content. So uh, I had uh, one of my own websites. I wrote uh, some content, and I went to Google Search Console to request indexing and went, oh, yeah, that doesn't work anymore. Um, and so what I did was add a link from the homepage of this website uh, to point to that content uh, because Google crawls the homepage regularly and it took probably about two days and the content was indexed uh, in Google. So uh, not quite as fast as requesting indexing in Search Console and I don't know why, you know, they've changed that. I, I, I think it's connected to the indexing issues, you know, I think Google's making some significant changes in some aspect of indexing and it's it's breaking things. So uh, so if you've been trying to index new pages and are trying to use the uh, Search Console uh, request indexing feature, then just know that it's still broken. And I don't think we know when it's going to be returning at this point. Um, similarly, there's some data anomalies in Search Console for web stories. So between September 25th and 28th, uh, in Discover, web stories were shown less often to Discover users during this period, and you'll see a drop in impressions and clicks for this type in the performance report for Discover. Uh, similarly, also October 6th in Discover, uh, following the launch of the Stories Carousel feature on Discover, you might see a significant increase in web story stats. Uh, so if you're noticing that your Google Discover stats are all over the place and that's not normal for you, then this could be an explanation as to why. Uh, here's a story I probably should have started with. It's pretty darn important, I think. Uh, the Justice Department is set to file a long-awaited antitrust suit against Google. 
I'm no lawyer. I've been an expert witness in a, a court case, and I don't ever want to do that again. Those of you who do law, uh, gosh, I, I don't know how you do it. It's a, it's a, it's a tough area. Um, but from what I understand, uh, this lawsuit was filed with claims that Google's responsible for anti-competitive conduct that monopolizes all of their entities regarding the search. Um, and so here's some quotes. There's a, we've linked in newsletter to some articles on the Wall Street Journal and also The Verge on this. Um, let's see here. The Verge says, uh, the Justice Department officials emphasized the scale and power of Google's control over the search market. Quote, Google's conduct is illegal under traditional antitrust principles and must be stopped. Google owns or controls search distribution channels, accounting for about 80% of general search queries in the United States. Uh, this is Ryan Shores, the Justice Department's senior advisor for tech industries. We're asking the court to break Google's grip on search distribution so that competition and innovation can take hold. The thing is, I mean, I, they're not wrong. Everybody uses Google. And we're kind of stuck, right? Like, if in the past, if somebody wanted to know what hours are your business open, they'd go to your website and they'd spend time on your website and you'd be able to market to them. You know, they'd see all your advertising and they'd get your branding and all that stuff. And today, if I search for what hours is this business open, uh, I'm going to see, I'm going to see it right in the Google results. I don't need to go visit that particular website. Similarly, you know, I think the same argument could be made about featured snippets that uh, they've probably stolen a bunch of traffic from websites because people could get their answer right on Google. The thing is, though, I don't understand how anything would change. I mean, it's not like we don't have other options for search engines. New PC, I, uh, I've been a Mac girl for so many years, uh, and the only thing on this PC is Fortnite. I just bought it for Fortnite <laughs> alone. Um, but I noticed that, and this is not news to those of you who use PCs, by default, uh, if I try to do a search, it shows me Bing results. Um, and so, like, Bing is a very good search engine, but yet people continue to use Google. So uh, I don't understand how a court ruling could change people's use of the products that are already out there. Now, who knows, you know, maybe, um, maybe something will come of this where Google has to also include results from other search engines. I, I really don't know what the, what they're hoping to accomplish with this. Um, let's see it. They actually say in the document, it is Google's business model. That is the problem. Our documents show that Google evolved from a turnstile to the rest of the web to a walled garden that is increasingly keeps its users within its sites. Uh, this is what Rand Fishkin has been saying for a number of years, you know, and, and people were complaining about this monopoly. I looked up the definition of the word monopoly because I thought maybe I've got it wrong. Monopoly means the exclusive possession or control of the supply or trade in a commodity or service. Well, I don't think Google has exclusive possession or control. Uh, you know, like they, people use it but they have other options and it just turns out that google is one that people tend to use more so uh, i'll be interested to see what comes of this i i think that's probably why i didn't start with this story even though it seems like it's uh, a fairly um a good one uh and an important one to to talk about so we're going to be keeping an eye on that and see if uh, if anything changes in terms of um what Google does in response to this. We don't have a whole lot to report in terms of local SEO, no obvious algo updates that we can see. Um, we did report on an interesting article by Joy Hawkins on how to get a place label or an icon in Google Maps. 
So that's in newsletter for you. Um, and we've got some really good recommended reading in newsletter this time. I didn't have time to cover it in this podcast episode, but Glenn Gabe has a really good article on image packs in Google web search. And this could be a reason why you might be seeing high rankings, but really low click-through rate in search console. Because if you have an image that's ranking really well, that's going to be shown as uh, you know a high position ranking where uh, you know you don't get as many clicks on images in Google Image Search as you would on organic results, uh, and we've got some other really good recommended reading as well. You know, I, I probably do have time to do one question here, so I'm going to answer this question that Michelle Kubot Segovia uh, sent me on Twitter, and it's an interesting question. I almost said this is too complicated for me to answer, but I, I, I think I can give you um, my thoughts on this. So Michelle says she has an old domain with guest post links and slipping traffic. And that domain is outranking a new site on brand searches, despite an in-page homepage link. Uh, the old site has an exact match domain and a US Today, a USA Today 2018 article link. And so what she wants to know is, uh, so, okay, I, the way I'm understanding this situation is, let's say you had, um, an exact match domain. So that is basically you have keywords in your domain. Um, for like exact match would be if I wanted to rank for SEO company in Ottawa, uh, I might buy the domain SEO company in Ottawa.com. And years ago, an exact match domain was a massive, massive boost when you were trying to rank for a keyword. I still think it is a boost. And I think this is part of what you're seeing here is that, uh, if Google's saying, look, somebody searched for this keyword and this entire website is on based on this keyword, then maybe it's a good example, you know? So, uh, so I still think there's some benefit in exact match domains. Um, but also they're not always the most, um, accurate, uh, in ter the, the most trustworthy, I would say, um, in terms of branding, you know, if I wanted to call my, I wouldn't call my business the best SEO company in Ottawa.com, right? Like it's, that doesn't make sense. And so at some point when your business gets big enough, you start branding, um, and, uh, and, and, and actually, you know, you want to create a website that is based on your brand name, um, as opposed to just keywords. So in this situation, if I understand it correctly, there's an exact match domain, uh, that they were using for some time and they decided to move on from this domain. And when they were using this domain, it sounds like they had some tactics that maybe they want to step aside from now. Um, so they did a bunch of guest posting, which not all guest posts are wrong, but if, uh, you know, if they've done it on a big enough scale, uh, it, it certainly could be uh, a negative in Google's eyes. And, and slipping traffic, uh, you know, so their traffic was declining on this old site. And so they decided to get a new site and, and, uh, and, and rebrand. And I don't know, maybe the rebrand was already there before, you know, maybe that wasn't the driving factor. Um, but now their new brand is being outranked by this old site, uh, that has keywords. And so the question is, do we redirect the whole domain to the new? Do we disavow first? I'm going to give you tons of disclaimers here. Obviously, this is a complicated situation, and it probably makes sense to have um, consultation where somebody can actually look at the sites and the, the links pointing to the site and the risk and, and, you know, all that type of thing. So I'm going to speak in general terms here. Um, first of all, if you redirect the old domain to the new, you are redirecting all of the links from the old domain pointing to the new site. 
Um, and if you are worried about the link quality and you think that the link quality could be part of the reason why that site is dropping in traffic, then you don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, you don't want to just blind, blindly say, well, we had all these unnatural links and now we're going to redirect them all to this website uh, because the problem will just continue onto your new website. Um, I've also seen it happen, and I don't know if your new site is the same content or uh, different content, but I've had clients that um, back in the days where Penguin first came out, uh, where, you know, they would they would just go, whoa, you know, we, we got completely trashed by Penguin, so let's just create a new domain and we'll move all our content over to the new domain uh, and just give it a, a different name. Google is often really good at recognizing when content is the same, and in some situations, they'll actually canonicalize the links that pointed to the old site and say, oh, these really should be pointing to this new site. Um, so you, you, you just can't you know, create a new site and, uh, and just hope that it, it, it escapes the link problems that were there with the old site. Um, so yes, disavowing. If you have unnatural links uh, for guest posts, whether I, I would disavow those if they're um, again if they're unnatural, we'd have to analyze those to uh, to give you a good idea uh, as to whether they were good links to disavow. Um, and you would disavow those on both websites. Uh, I would uh, just in case uh, because we know we're not really sure how uh, that works. You know, if you just disavowed them on the old website. Um, and Google is seeing them as pointing to the new website, you'd still need to disavow them on the new website. Uh, and so the other thing to think about here is EAT. I have no idea what subject matter uh, this website is, but if it's anything closely related to YMYL, which we had a team discussion this week, like pretty much everything that matters is YMYL in our, in our minds. If it was connected to, to YMYL, um, you can't build up EAT-related signals. I shouldn't say can't. It would be very hard to build up EAT-related signals for both of those websites. Uh, I've shared the story before about a client that came to us. They rebranded and they plummeted uh, with an update. Um, and then after we went in and we uh, improved all of the signals. So basically what I mean by that is we updated citations to say, ah, you used to point to exactmatchdomain.com and now you should point to brand.com. Um, so we went and updated, uh, we recommended to them to update citations. Uh, we added verbiage on uh, the new website to say, hey, you used to know us as this brand and now we're this brand. Um, we had them put out press releases to say like, we're no longer this old keyword exact match domain brand. <laughs> it wasn't exactly how the press release went. Um, but here we are, we're this new brand. Um, and eventually the signals got to Google where Google recognized, ah, when people search for this brand, this is the website that they want. So I think that sounds like what needs to happen here in this uh, situation is um, there need to be more signals pointing to uh, the new site saying, yes, this is the main site. And uh, I, I think, I mean, I don't know the situation, but it would be very tricky to have both of these sites uh, and say to Google, we just want this particular one to rank well. Uh, there's probably a lot more that could be done in that situation. I think I'd need to more, know more details, which is a bit more than I can get into for a, a podcast uh, question. But thank you for asking that, though. It was, uh, it was an interesting discussion. I think I'm going to end it there. That, there's so much that went on this week in search. Uh, and like I said, we have a new article that will be coming out. Um, it'll be by the end of this week, I would say, uh, about intent and all the things you can do to improve your intent um, and make it so that 
parts of your pages are chosen when Google does this uh, passage-based ranking thing. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about that, and I think uh, that we've got some really good ideas that could help you. Uh, for those of you who are Fortnite fans, it's a big update today. Uh, my computer, my new PC is taking... I got a new PC, but I don't have new internet at home. It's going to take about two days to download the update. <laughs> so I might be lugging the computer into the office so that I can play the Halloween update for Fortnite. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed that episode, and I really uh, am looking forward to discussing more about what it is that Google's doing because it's exciting times ahead. I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Thank you.